welcome to the first official episode of the So Video Games Podcast. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com and the co-host of this show. With me is the other co-host and staff writer at Game Critics, Corey Motley. Corey, how are you, sir? I am doing very well, Brad. How are you this evening? Not too bad. Although, you know, I made a pretty rookie error uh, right before recording this podcast. And I'm a little bit embarrassed because I have done podcasts before. I know better especially since it's the first episode of our new podcast. But before you record, and folks, if you don't know this, you should probably, you know, make a note, jot it down. Don't eat anything really spicy right before you record because you're going to be coughing, going to have to clear your throat. It's going to make for a difficult recording. And like a dumbass, I made like the spiciest curry I've made in months right before this episode. So I'm totally like choking back like, the the urge to like clear my throat every five seconds i apologize to anybody listening if that happens i apologize to you most of all Corey. you're disgusting <laughs> i feel disgusting <laughs> <laughs> anyway all right we're not here to talk about uh my curry throat we are here to talk about video games um we are still kind of getting the show off the ground still trying to feel our way and figure out a format that works and you dear listeners if you have any feedback ideas questions comments uh, please hit us up at the so video games podcast at gmail.com. But for right now, I think we're going to just launch right into it because I listen to podcasts. And when I listen to podcasts, I hate it when people bullshit at the beginning of a show. I hate it. It's a waste of my time. When I listen to podcasts, I want to hear the meat of the discussion. I want to get right into it. What about you, Corey? Do you like, do you like banter? I think for me, it depends on who is talking and what they're talking about, because I'm the kind of person where if and this isn't even with podcasts it's just like in general if somebody's talking about something that doesn't remotely interest me i just immediately tune out and get turned off so it's kind of uh, situational for me i think i hear you i hear you. and that makes sense i mean if it's interesting banter i mean sure i'll listen in but so many so many podcasts i tune into where like the guys and it's always guys uh who start the show like they launch into like 45 minutes of banter and like i really 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 don't like that when i tune in i want to hear about stuff and it I guess we're bantering now, so I'm going to stop, but uh, the goal of the show is just to get right into it, so we're going to do that right now, talking about video games, old, new, anything in between. Uh, The first game up for discussion tonight is Alone With You, a small indie title, which I believe we both played on the Vita, unless I missed my guess. Corey, tell us about Alone With You. Uh, first of all, I did not play it on the Vita because I do not, Damn it. I do Damn not it. own a PlayStation Vita, Brad. You know this. That is why. Because I uh, I don't really handheld game that much, and I'm always home anyway, so it's not really like I don't like go anywhere because I don't have a life, so I don't really like need it to be on the road with me or anything. But your life would be so much better if you had one. But my life would also be better if I had like 200 extra dollars in my pocket or however much it costs. And if I were going to spend that much on something, it would not be a handheld device that I probably wouldn't use that much. Ah, I know. I'm sorry. Shame. I'm sad. I'm sad right now, but that's okay. I'm going to put my feelings aside. Corey, alone with you. All right. So alone with you, I don't want to brag, but I feel like I'm the one that told you about this game and then you played it before me, which kind of... uh, rubs me the wrong way a little bit but oh you're right you are right that is right you take full credit for this one yeah you like totally ate my lunch on that because i wanted to review it for game critics and then we did not get a review code and then you just bought it and reviewed it without me because you're a big jerk (laughs) (laughs) i can't deny it 
But that's not the point. Okay, so Alone With You is the second game by an independent game developer named Benjamin Rivers. And his first game, which was actually my game of the year for whatever year it came out, it was like three years ago or something, um, was called Home, A Unique Horror Adventure. And it's like a pixelated side-scrolling sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure-style horror game. It's like a, like a psychological horror game. And I fell in love with that game. And it came out for, um, I think it was on iPhone and iPad and, you know, mobile. And eventually it came to consoles. And I played it on my iPad when it came out. And I loved it. And I started following Benjamin Rivers on Twitter. And it basically have just been kind of getting his little bits and pieces of updates on Alone With You until it came out. And it launched about a month ago. And it is PlayStation 4 and Vita exclusive, and it has cross-play, right? Does it have cross-play? God, I don't know. It might be cross-buy. I don't oh, think it cross has cross-play, though. That's right. I think that's what I meant. So if you buy it for one, you get it for both? Yeah, you get it on both systems, but I'm pretty sure that the data does not cross over. But still, a pretty cool deal. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it is a game about... Actually, I feel like I shouldn't even talk about this game because I like don't even know the specifics. Um, do you play as like a real person in the game, or are you like a robot? I believe you are a real person. A real person. Yes, I. That's my. That's my belief. Yes. Okay, but either way, you're a real person that wears a helmet for the entire game. So technically, you could maybe be a robot. Um, but I think you're real. But that's neither here nor there. Um, the point of the game is you're on a planet that is, uh, a foreign planet that's conducting some kind of research or something and basically everything that could go wrong does go wrong and pretty much everybody all the scientists and workers on the planet like die and you're like the last person left and there's an ai core on the planet and you have to uh, talk to the ai core to figure out how to fix the shuttle to get you off the planet and in order to do that the ai core has built different um ais based on the personalities of like the top researchers and engineers in the facility so you have to go into it's kind of like the hollow suite in um in star trek you like go into the hollow suite and you have a conversation with one of the people even though they're dead it's just like they're fragments of their personality from whenever they were alive that the ai kept and you have hang on a second Corey. hang on so i'm not like the biggest star trek dude and i'm sure people are going to be mad at me for (laughs) what's the what's the difference between the hollow deck and the hollow suite. Like, what's what's the difference between those? Oh two? God, I don't know. I like is one sexy times, another one is just like adventure. Like, do they separate them out like that? Or maybe it depends on what series you're talking about. Because I feel like the hollow deck is what's on a ship, and the hollow suite is what's on uh, in Deep Space Nine on the uh, on the uh, on the space station. Yeah, on the space station. Maybe it's a suite on the station and a deck on the ship. I. I God, if any Star Trekies are listening to this, they're going to kill me because I pretend like I know everything about Star Trek, but I actually don't. <laughs> I'm sure people are, are biting, biting their teeth and uh, biting their tongues and screaming. Why yeah. do these guys not know this? Oh, God. We're going to turn but off. But we don't know it. We don't know. Anyway, sorry. Episode. Write in and tell us. Let us know. Anyway, move on. <laughs> but um, you have to have conversations with these people and to figure out what they know about how to build certain components for the shuttle to fix it, to get off the planet before it explodes basically. And so it's kind of like, uh, it ends up being kind of like a day in day out, like almost like a job simulator, which doesn't sound very appealing. It's better than I'm making it sound because you like, you go to sleep, you wake up, you go into the AI core, you talk to the person, you like go do kind of that mission for them. 
and then you get the component and there's always like one puzzle in the area that you that they tell you to go to to get the component or whatever but on the flip side all of like the people that you talk to i think there's four of them they want to know how they died in real life so if you choose to you can kind of uh figure like figure out how or if they died i'm not going to spoil anything and say they all died or they all didn't die um and then kind of report it back to them which sounds kind of creepy like how they ended up um so it kind of brings like a good human and emotional element to it it's not just like a taking orders and going to do them and then you know going to sleep every night there's definitely a good tie but on the flip side of that i'll say that the game bills itself as a sci-fi romance adventure and uh brad i know you wrote this in your review for game critics and i totally agree with you that um billing it as a romance game is kind of weird because there's not really that much romance in the game it's just like there's like friendship and companionship but it's not like you were having like sexy times with the people in the hollow suite. You just like go in and you chat with them about who they were, their family and stuff like that. And then you kind of go do the job for them. Um, what do you, do you have anything to say about that, Brad? What do you think? Yeah, it's weird. I thought it was really weird because I had heard some people like before I played this, I had heard some people saying, Oh, it's the new, it's, it's, like, it's like dating sim. And I'm like, well, okay. The guy who made this, the last game, I haven't played it yet, but I actually have it on my Vita right now. Uh, that was kind of a horror game, and it seemed like kind of a weird switch up. But I'm like, well, you know, maybe he's he's jumping genres. Who knows? I'll give it a shot. And as I started playing it, I'm like, is this the same game? Like, is this the dating sim? Because it doesn't seem like this is what people were telling me about. And I don't know why people were saying that. I don't know why it's billed as an, a romance game. It does. There's so little romance. I mean, like you said, you're friends with people. You have a couple tender moments. I mean you know, you're just, you, you get together with these people and you become friends maybe, but it's not like you really date it. You never date anyone. I mean, there's no, there's no sex. There's no kissing. There's nothing like that. And it was just, it's really weird. And the other really weird thing, which I feel like Benjamin Rivers may have missed a trick here. And, and I guess maybe let me ask you about your experience on this, but as I was going through, there was definitely a couple times in the game where you talk to these AI characters and then you get like a really small dialogue tree. You get usually like three choices or something like that. And certain times I was like, I don't want to choose one. Like, I just want to keep going. Like sometimes they would ask me a question and I would not want to answer it. And there is no way that I could see to not answer it. And so I felt like, why is this, why is this portraying itself as a choice when really all you have to do is select all the dialogue options anyway? You know, like they make it look like you're making some choices, but really I didn't feel like there was any choice. Did you, did you notice that Corey? Yeah, I totally noticed that. Um, I probably wouldn't have thought of that unless you brought it up, but I'm glad you did because this game is 100% totally linear. Like you basically, there's only like kind of one given thing you can ever do at any point. And that's totally true whenever it comes down to the dialogue system too, because every time you finish up like a couple sentences with the person you're chatting with, you're right. It gives you like three dialogue options and then the only thing you do is select in what order you want to discuss things. Right. And, yeah. And as far as I know, the order makes absolutely no difference at all. And you cannot back out of the discussion. Like you have to have every discussion with every person every time, just in maybe a different order that you choose to. And then you leave, um, like the hologram program and then you go do whatever the job is. So yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like there's a lot of games that feel like they offer you choices and maybe they don't. And this game kind of does the same thing, but 
I mean, we could get into some big like metaphysical discussion about like, oh, what choices do you really have when you play games? Like, do you really have a choice? But I feel like this game, it, it does have a very thin veil of giving you freedom of choice and like freedom of action, but it's actually like totally linear the whole, the whole time. Yeah, totally. I mean, and that's not bad. Like, I don't think that's in and of itself a bad thing. I just kind of thought it was weird that it kind of, it, it positions itself to like, make you think you're making choices, but really you're making no choices. But like overall, I really, I really liked it. Uh, I think what I liked the most about it was I really got a great feeling of like solitude. There's no combat in this game. You're just walking around, you talk to the AIs here and there, you do these tasks and you find a lot of dead bodies because you're the last person left alive. And actually I, I don't, why are you the last person left alive? Did they ever explain that. I don't know if they explained it, but maybe it's because you're the only person that likes to go out to that one cliff and like watch the acid rain, <laughs> maybe because that's where you start the game. I really don't know though. I couldn't figure it out because you're the last person left alive and the AI is like really glad to see you and stuff. And when you go to the ruins of like the leftover of the, the terraforming project, like everybody's like dead and rotten. There's like skeletons, like everything's been gone for like a while. And I'm like, where were you? Where, 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 where have I been? I anyway. It doesn't matter. They don't explain it in the game. doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, but overall, I really liked the feeling of solitude. I liked having no combat. I liked just kind of going through the ruins and finding out what happened to people. Usually I hate that in games, but I felt like it really worked this time because it's very speedy and quick. I mean, unless you get stuck on a puzzle, you're basically just like you're just barreling through stuff and it just goes by in a hurry, which is great because really this is kind of like a walking simulator. Like if you... If you took a walking simulator, you put it in third person, you made it sprite-based, you made it 2D, that's kind of what this would be. But you don't spend a lot of time just wandering. You don't spend a lot of time looking at beautiful textures. You know, you don't spend a lot of time listening to audio logs. You just kind of get in, you do your thing, you get out, and it just moves at a pace that I really appreciated. So I think overall I really liked it a lot. And, and Corey, I know that you like storytelling. I know you like some of those walking sims, the more thoughtful games. I mean, what did, what did you like? Uh, or did you like it or did you not like it? Yeah, I did like it, but I, I actually disagree with you just a tiny bit about... I feel like it wasn't paced super well because I feel like it took a little bit longer for me to do everything in that game than maybe it should have. And because it's like... It paces itself as like a two-week-long game where like every time you do an action and you go to sleep and you wake up the next day, or maybe it's like eight or nine days or something. But um, I think that once I started falling into the routine of the game, I... Uh, I don't know, I kind of got bored a little bit because it's like you kind of do the same thing every day. Like you wake up, you talk to the person, you go to their site, you find out what they did, you solve this single puzzle, and then you go back, you go to bed, you wake up, you talk to the next person, and there's not a whole lot of variation, which I mean, there doesn't have to be, but I think part of me was also let down because uh, Benjamin Over's last game, Home, I was like super duper in love with. And so I was, I knew this wasn't going to be anything like Home because it's a completely different kind of uh i guess a genre of game but uh i didn't like it as much and another thing that i don't like about it is because the pacing i wasn't thrilled about uh the pacing the game kind of has two very definite endings where you can choose to do one thing or you can choose to do a different thing and if i ever wanted to go back and like trophy hunt or try to do the other ending and see what happens i would have to play through the entire game over again and i don't like I don't want to play through the whole game just to see the other ending, you know, like get the trophy or whatever. Um, so yeah, I that's totally true. You know, I actually agree with you. I, I agree with you more than I don't, because even though I do think the game is too long, 
Uh, I actually finished it, which I usually don't finish a walking sim. So for me, that was like a big bonus in the, you know, the plus column. Uh, but I do think it is too long. Although I did kind of like the daily routine. Something about that was really depressing and dreary, and I felt like it fit the game well. But regardless, I, I did, I made my one choice. We're not going to spoil the ending here. But the, like you said, there's two very clear endings. And I was curious about the other ending, but there's no way in hell I was going to play that again. Just like one and done for me. So that is kind of too bad. You can't save right before the ending, I don't think. And once, yeah, like once you're finished, it's like, nah. There's not going to be anything new. There's not going to be anything different. It's just going to be like literally like doing all the same actions over again, which I think was kind of a bad choice. But anyway, we should probably move on. We've got a whole lot of other games to talk about. Uh, but I do, I do recommend Alone with You. Corey, you recommend? Yeah, I recommend it. And real quick before we move on, I just want to say that uh, one, a couple thing, other things I like about the game that maybe aren't brought up as much is that even though the game only has like five characters in it, and you being one of them who doesn't really talk. Um, there's like a good diversity there. Like there's like a black character. There's a gay character. Like two of the guys that you talked to that were scientists were in a re- like kind of like a tumultuous relationship and you kind of get to hear both sides of their story. And it would have been so easy like to just make one of them a man and one like one of them a white man and one of them a white woman like every other game on the market and just, you know, do it like a totally like whitewashed heterosexual thing. Um, but I, I appreciated that there was diversity and like one of the characters has depression, like she's suffering from depression and anxiety and you kind of get to hear her story and like what she goes through from like uh, her depression front. And I feel like that's something that's not explored as much in video games. And the other thing that's a little bit uh, different is that I like uh, as you go through all the ruins and kind of put together what was happening between the researchers and the people that are working for them. Um, one thing that I thought was fascinating, and this probably comes from because I spent 11 years working in retail, was kind of like, no matter how good the people you can put in a group, like the game kind of uh, says like, you know, they got like the best, you know, scientists and researchers and like workforce and put them all on this planet. But even though they had like the best of the best people there, it still didn't stop the situation from becoming like a human resources nightmare. And there's a lot of like, stuff that happens in the game where it's like i'm not gonna say like an uprising because it's not like there was some big like revolution but it's like when things started getting shitty you there's evidence of people like not liking their bosses and thinking that they're not making the right decisions and sort of like uh going against their wishes and trying to make like a workforce that's sort of like a separate faction from what the bosses want and i just think that that's really interesting for me because uh like i said i worked in retail for a long time both as an employee and as a manager and so it was something I could totally relate to because as an employee, if you've never worked in management, you think that all the managers are idiots and that you could run the store better than they could ever dream of. And then whenever you become a manager, you realize that the job is about 500,000 times harder than you ever thought it would be. And so it just, I don't know, a lot of that kind of rang for me where I was like, wow, I totally see both sides of this. And this isn't something that's usually like explored in video games. Um, but I think that's, that's probably all I have to say. Do you have anything else to say about that? No, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think the writing, I mean, in a game like this, the writing is everything because the gameplay is not, I mean, there's really no gameplay to speak of. You're just walking around and doing like a puzzle here or there. And the puzzles were not great. But yeah, I, I, I do agree the diversity was great. And the stories, I mean, I'm not usually a guy that likes to read text logs. I don't usually like to do that kind of thing. But in this game, for whatever reason, they really captured me. And I think it was the strength of the writing. Like, you know, seeing uh, the different scraps left behind by people who were just trying to get by. When the colony starts to go south, you definitely see, like, how... You, I mean, you can relate, you know? Like, I'm sure everybody's been in a situation where we're, where everything's fine, and then after a while something happens, maybe you've fallen out with a friend, or maybe 
our relationship isn't going the way you, you think it will. And then you just have those moments where you're sad or like you recognize something went, you know, went sour or you just, you know, things didn't work out. And that's kind of the sense that I got from all of the different characters that you, you, you run into. They just seem very human, which was really good. I mean, it didn't sit back and make me reconsider the human condition, but I think that it definitely carried me all the way through. And I feel like the writing was certainly above average and strong enough to carry me uh, from start to finish, which whereas most walking simulators lose me about halfway. So, but yeah, we have talked uh, alone with you quite enough. We're going to move on, but I think we both recommend alone with you. Good times. Good times. Um, now, interestingly, uh, the next game we're going to be discussing is Virginia, which is kind of, kind of similar to alone with you, but also kind of the opposite. Uh, Virginia is, I mean, I guess it's another walking simulator. Uh, this one is first person, and it's very stylized, very artistic style, which is great. But the thing that makes it different from Alone With You is that there's no talking at all. Very, very interesting choice. Um, the story, as much as anyone can gather, I guess, is that you play a female FBI agent of color who is assigned to go to a town in Virginia, which is, I guess, where they get the name to investigate the disappearance of a young boy. And there's there's all sorts of stuff going on. Because there's no dialogue, you kind of have to figure things out for yourself based on just what you're seeing. And I think that in general, probably for about three quarters of the game, uh, the developers do a great job. I felt like in most situations, they are very careful about what they have the player looking at. They use a lot of like film techniques when they cut uh, scenes. For example, like if you're in your apartment, you start walking down the stairs rather than like in an open world game, you would walk down all the stairs. You'd walk outside to the sidewalk. You'd get in a car, you'd steal a car or you would, you know, walk somewhere and get there. And then you get out. I mean, they cut all of that shit out. And it's like, you walk down maybe two stairs, the game cuts. And then all of a sudden you are exactly where you need to be. Like you just get to your destination. So it's like a walking simulator, but they cut out all the walking, which I think is really smart. Uh, the lack of audio logs or the lack of like excessive dialogue, I think is really great. It doesn't always work, but in general, I think it's really great. And I do think it's really interesting that for a game where the lead is a female person of color and her partner is also a female person of color, it kind of ends up being like a non-issue, which I think is kind of cool in a way, but also kind of weird. I, I kind of was thinking they were going to make a little bit more of it than they did. Anyway, you go through this investigation. It's very, very David Lynchian, very, very Twin Peaksy. Um, this small town, you can tell something weird's going on. And then as you kind of come to the end of the investigation, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I felt like things really went off the rails for me. Now, we're not going to spoil this here, but I, I was ready to give this game a stellar recommendation up until the three-quarter mark. And then when I got to the last quarter, I was like, oh. So pretty interesting stuff. Corey, what did, what did you make of, uh, of Virginia? I feel like my opinion falls pretty well in line with yours. As a matter of fact, like I, cause you had told me about this game before I even knew what it was. It's like, we, we did the exact same thing to each other with alone with you in Virginia. Cause I told you, I was like, Oh, alone with you looks awesome. And then you were like, have you heard about this game, Virginia? And I had no fucking clue what it was. So uh, I'm glad you recommended it. And I played it like probably like a day or two after you did, or maybe it was like, the same night or something because uh maybe we were playing at the same time we might have been because i bought it the night it came out and played it at i don't know, like midnight or something that night and i mean it's only like a 
three hour long game would you say yeah something like that like one sitting two sittings you're done yeah like i totally played it in one sitting and uh and i feel the same like i was kind of down for you know what it was doing with you know there's no dialogue but the music is really good and like the visuals because it's got kind of like a cool like cell shaded e i guess it's not really cell shaded um but it's like a cartoony style um the facial expressions and the environment and the color and the music pretty much tells you everything you need to feel about any scenario without anybody ever having to say anything. And the game sort of celebrates a lot of downtime, which sounds terrible. Like I'm really bad at trying to sell games like, Oh, this game's so great because it celebrates downtime. But there's like a part where you're like sitting in the passenger seat of the car at the gas station. And like your partner is pumping the gas and like a car pulls up next to you. And there's a bunch of like white douchebags in the car and they like, flip you off and drive off and the scene doesn't really mean anything but it kind of does mean something and there's like a section later where you're with your partner in the car and you're like waiting for you're like waiting to see if a certain car like drives down to a building and you're just like she like brings you a sandwich and like you get the sandwich out and you're eating it or she's like cooking you eggs in the apartment and it's like those like human moments i thought were really great in the game and i do like the cinematic cuts and all that stuff um But yeah, the last uh, quarter of it, like you said, for me, it's either like, it's one of those games where you're either like going to like fall even more in love with it as it ends, or you're going to be like totally thrown off and not really understand what's going on. And I don't have to be one of those people who has to understand everything that ever happens in a story in the game, but I thought I was like pretty damn sure what was going on. And then it like flew off the rails so hard that I turn the game off and I still like have no fucking clue what happened at the end of that game and the worst part probably is that I don't even like feel compelled to go back and play it again like I definitely recommend the game and I think it's worth playing because it's so kind of different than a lot of stuff that's out there but I I just like don't even want to play it again like to kind of try to put it back together I I'm just not really that interested in going back to it I don't think yeah I agree I mean I've heard a couple of uh, people talking about theories, but that, that talk died out really quickly. Um, and I think, I mean, if when you get really to the heart of it, the developers, I don't know these people. I mean, I, I, don't, I hate to put words in their mouth, but I'm kind of just making an educated guess here based on the work and what I know of them. Um, they're clearly David Lynch fans. They're clearly Twin Peaks fans, which is cool. I mean, those things are cool. But I think that they very intentionally set out to make a very, like, you know, quote-unquote challenging, puzzling you know, people are going to be wondering about this game. It's going to be water cooler moments. You know, after they finish this game, we're going to get people uh, put posting their theories and they're going to be talking about it for weeks. I think they really set out to do that, but I don't think that's something that you can do. Uh, I mean, maybe David Lynch himself can can do that because he's kind of the master of that. But even so, I don't think he sets out to do that. I think he just does his own thing and whatever makes him happy is what happens. And people just end up liking it. But this felt very calculated to me. I felt like the developers really cut certain things out. They really obfuscated certain things. And with no talking in the game, I mean, you're right in saying that most of it is, is very clear and easy to follow. But once they start doing like flashbacks, flash forward, flash sideways, is this a dream? Is this reality? Is this a like a like a drug fantasy? Is it not? Am I you know, like once it starts doing all that stuff, it just felt very, very intended to be like Ooh, isn't this challenging? Ooh, isn't this weird? Ooh, isn't this confusing? You thought you knew what was going on, but you don't. And it's like, yeah, bro. Like, I I get what you're doing, but 
it just didn't land for me. And I felt like they really kind of, I mean, I don't want to say they ruined what they did because I definitely recommend the game. I think it's worth playing for anybody who's interested in what games can do. But honestly, I felt like it could have really been a fucking winner. Like it was going to be on my top 10 for the year list until the end. And then I'm like, ah, no, remove, remove. Because it just, it just felt like it was taking me for a ride that wasn't earned. I don't feel like they really hooked me enough that they really substantiated the twists and turns that they take at the end. And it was just, it was really a bummer. I felt like they were trying to be hip and cool when they should have just been trying to be genuine. And for me, it fell flat. So I'm not going to go back and replay it. Again, much like Alone With You, I think this is a game where not too much is going to change. When you play it a second time, you may notice a couple things. Maybe you find a couple pickups you didn't find the first time. But I think probably 90% of what you replay is going to be exactly what you saw the first time. And to me, that's not worth playing through again, especially when it feels so, you know, like they're kind of daring me to figure out what they have. And I just, I'm not down with that, you know? As someone who is a creator of certain media, you know, the important thing to me is like having people who consume that media be drawn in to, to bring them along, to paint the picture for them so they can ex- enjoy what you've done. And for people to kind of like create something as a whole and then remove pieces of it to make it more, you know, challenging or more puzzling. Eh, it's kind of bullshit to me. Like you have to be very, very careful about that. And these guys, I think just didn't land it. So I don't know. I mean, overall, I, I would recommend it because I think that the cinematic style the lack of dialogue for the most part, uh, the content of it being like a real-world situation, FBI agents with, uh, uh, you know, kind of a real-world investigation. I, I like it. Even though I ultimately didn't like it as much as I wanted to like it, I did like it. And Corey, would you would you recommend it? Would you say you liked it? Yeah, I would uh, I would not hesitate to recommend it. I think it's, I think it's great. Um, I like that you said something about your top 10 list because... I have in front of me my ranked list of games so far this year, and Virginia is actually number 13 on that list out of, like, 27. So, yeah, it's not in my top 10 either. Um, But I still totally recommend it, just for the simple fact that it's one of those games where it it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot else out there like it. Um, It's, I mean, yeah, it's like a walking simulator, and, yeah, like, there's maybe only, like, one thing you can kind of do in any certain situation, but it still feels unique and interesting and sort of like not a whole lot I've played before, I think. Yeah. You know what? Even though this game was kind of a whiff for me um, when all was said and done, I'll bet you anything that this is going to inspire a lot of people because I felt like there was a lot of really cool decisions, a lot of cool ideas. I bet that in six months or a year, we're going to see a lot of Virginia alikes. Um, and I'm guessing that some of them might even be better than what these guys did, but I bet that the, the style um, the approach, the seriousness, just just everything about it was pretty cool. And I, I bet that's going to uh, inspire a lot of clones. Uh, hopefully, you know, some will be uh, will wrap up a little better than Virginia did. But anyway, all right, that's going to close out Virginia. We have a couple more things. Um, I know that the clock is kind of ticking down and we want to keep a nice tight ship here on the So Video Games podcast. Um, let's jump to the Outlast 2 demo, Corey. You are a horror guy. I am not. For the record... I used to be a horror guy and then I got old and I had kids and I just don't like horror games anymore because you know what? They scare the shit out of me. I can't do it. But Corey, you are young, fresh faced, you know, full of vim and vigor. You are ready to take on the world of horror games. Tell us about the Outlast 2 demo. Yeah, I will never get tired of horror games because I never plan on having kids and I never plan on getting old. So I am going to be with you're them. You're set. <laughs> you, you are set, bud. 
But uh, the the troubling thing is that I have a pretty harsh uh, judgment on what I think is a good horror game and what is not a good horror game. And I finished uh, the Outlast 2 demo the other night, and it's only like a half an hour long, which is good. Um, but uh, I actually was pleasantly surprised by it because I uh, just played Outlast, the first Outlast, which came out like two years ago for the first time about a month, a month and a half ago. And I played some of it and... I didn't really like it that much. I mean, I thought I was going to be into it, but it the whole like it not having combat thing kind of threw me because I don't think every game needs to have combat, but I think whenever horror games go the non-combat route, it sets up very black and white like this is this is supposed to be scary and this is supposed to not be scary situations and it just really wasn't doing it for me. But I played the Outlast 2 demo and I uh I I remain hesitant uh, for the full release, because it's probably going to be very similar to LS1. I don't think they're adding combat. I think a, a lot of it's going to be suspense sections or chase sections. But for what it's worth, the LS2 demo, uh, I really enjoyed it. And let me let me ask you real quick, Corey. So I'm not familiar with Outlast. I mean, I heard of it, and I saw pictures, and I'm like, oh, god, it's way too scary for me. No way. But Outlast, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the one where you are like a reporter? And you have like a flashlight or something and like you're just everything is just fucking dark all the time. Shit's jumping out at you and just running around the whole game. Is that basically what Outlast is? Uh, Yeah, I mean, in the first one, you're like a reporter and you go to an insane asylum that apparently like was supposed to be shut down. But there's like shit going on and you go to investigate it. And yeah, it's not a flashlight, but it's a video camera and it has like the old school like night vision switch on it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Gotcha, so, gotcha. and the second one is like that too. You still have the video camera. I, I guess these games must be permanently based on like 1995. Cause that's like the video cameras that they're using. And God, who even has video cameras anymore, man? It should be like a phone. Yeah. It should be like some of these iPhones. Yeah. It's totally not that. And it's one of those things where like, you have to really suspend your disbelief. If you want to like truly believe that, you know, you have the video camera, you have the night vision. And if you use the night vision, the batteries drain on your camera and you have to keep picking up more batteries. And, uh, you know, instead of just like getting a fucking flashlight, like literally in the LS2 demo, like the first house you walk in, there's like a dead guy with the flashlight in front of him on the table. And I was like, all right, can I pick up the fucking flashlight? Because I would much rather have that than this stupid ass uh, video camera. But I mean, you can't do it because the game says you can't do it. But that's kind of, I guess beside the point a little bit but uh see that's kind of that's kind of bullshit man because i have like a regular iphone and i bought like one of those battery life extender packs that goes onto it so like if they were like updated with modern technology you could like have a flashlight on for like you know pretty much like an entire day like is this one of those games where the battery is just like one second and the battery dies you got to keep looking for batteries all the time i mean you do have to keep looking for batteries but i think if you have the night vision on continuously i should actually probably figure out exactly how long the battery lasts it's probably like a couple of minutes or something per battery. And I think you can hold 10 batteries at a time, but, but I only ever had like two or three on me at any given point. I but, think battery technology is better than that. That seems kind of bogus to me because if I go to a store and I buy a battery, I mean, you can operate pretty much anything for like a while. That's weird. I wonder why developers like think batteries last such a short time. Well, it's like, I it's mean, not a touch with reality. It's just about the suspense of the game though. Cause obviously they could make it as realistic quote unquote as they want to. But I mean, the point of it is to, kind of keep you moving and keep you scared um dude but if i worked at the duracell company like if i made batteries for a living i'd be pissed i mean probably but man maybe in this (laughs) and outlast maybe they all take place in the 90s and duracell has not been invented in the outlast universe or something that little rabbit with the drum never showed up huh that's energizer dork 
Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Reference fail. All right, moving on anyway. (laughs) But but back to the demo. It's good. It starts out... The thing that I like about it is that um, in the first game, I think most of it or maybe all of it is in an insane asylum. And I mean, in Insane Asylum, it's like, all right, how many horror games have done like an Insane Asylum? Like, I don't know, all of them. All of them? Yeah, Yeah. all of them. So, you know, you're in like a creepy, like Insane Asylum, but it's all like corridors and there's like a prison and there's like sewers and it's like all the shit that I've seen before in video games. But Outlast 2 takes place in like uh, remote Arizona desert land, which doesn't sound scary, but in the demo, it actually worked. It reminded me a lot of Resident Evil 4, to be honest, because it's like, it's kind of like, indian burial ground like tribal area and it's like all open and there's like kind of like little shack houses around and there's like a cornfield and you're kind of walking through this like desolate kind of uh like remote village and trying to open the doors to the little shacks and you know you hear stuff going on the audio design is impeccable and it also uh has some good stuff going on that kind of like fucked with my head a little bit like at one point you like look down a well because you hear someone whispering down it and there's this like entity that grabs you and like pulls you down the well which i think was supposed to be scary but it didn't really scare me that much because i could see it coming from like 16 miles away but once you get pulled down into the well all of a sudden you're in like a ventilation shaft like crawling around which sounds dumb but i like when game when horror games do that when like they kind of fuck with me a little bit because obviously if you fall down a well you're probably not going to fall into a ventilation shaft but there i was and then the ventilation shaft breaks and you're like in a school room like a like an elementary school classroom which also doesn't seem like a place you would be and it's possible that the developers might have just stitched different parts of the game together to make the demo or maybe this is really how it happens in the real game and i hope that that's how it happens but uh I mean, the school sequence is really... There was a section in it that scared me so bad that I thought I had, like, woken up everybody on my city block whenever I screamed, whenever, uh, <laughs> like, the scare happened. And it was just really smart, because you, like, walk down a hallway, and there's lockers, and the school is, like, dark and desolate, and you open a locker, and there's, like, a little, uh, like, a music box in it. And so, of course, you pick up the music box, you crank the handle, and nothing pops out of the music box which was fucking genius because the only thing scarier than something happening is something not happening and that is the number one rule that horror game developers need to understand so i'm sitting there like clenched waiting for some like thing to pop out of this music box then nothing happens and he puts it back on the shelf and that was the perfect thing because it would have been so easy to just have some like thing pop out of it and that would have been exactly what everybody was expecting And so you start turning around, walking down the hallway, and there's this, like, shadowy figure on, like, every time you turn, you can, like, see it out of of your peripheral vision. And it's perfect, because it's not, like, in your face, but you know it's there. And every time you turn, you can, like, see it kind of escaping your vision. And there's, like, a creepy dude, like, laughing and whispering, and you could hear it behind you. But every time you turn, like, you can't see it. And so I feel like the game is really good at kind of doing that mysterious pacing thing instead of, like dead space where dead space thinks horror is just putting you in a room with a hundred like alien figures and having them attack you like that's not what horror is nor is it having 10 dead aliens on the ground and every one of them jumps up to attack you whenever you walk by it um i feel like ls2 is getting it right and there's like a chase sequence toward the end where you're in a cornfield and there's like people with flashlights and you're trying to like run around the cornfield and it's great because it's not a linear chase like the chases in the first outlast where you're basically stuck going down a corridor and either turning left or right like you're just in a cornfield in the demo and you can go any is it, direction is it, you want. is it corridor or is it cornidor 
corridor corn i think it's a cornidor if you're in a corn if you're in a cornfield <laughs> <laughs> you're such a yes <laughs> you have redeemed have you... your energizer flub from okay earlier. <laughs> all right good have you ever been in a cornfield by the way like legit in a cornfield uh i think it like um for like i don't know like a pumpkin festival or something at one point maybe Dude, that shit is legit scary. Like, if you've, <laughs> I've been in a couple cornfields, and man, you're like, hey, it's corn. It's like, it's nutritious. You can make cereal out of it, and it's it's green, and it's healthy, and the earth is growing. And you set foot in the cornfield, and it's just like a fucking nightmare. You can't see anything. It's dark. Shit's hitting you in the face. You don't know where you're going. Oh, God. It is it is awful. It is legit awful. Corn fucking sucks. So, oh my God. anyway, anyway, Corey, where is the... Uh, where is the Outlast 2 demo? Where did you download this? Uh, on the PlayStation Network. I reckon it's probably on the Xbox One Marketplace 2. Uh, I don't know if Who it's on the fuck PC plays or Xbox. Not. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. No one does that. Right. Well, I mean, it's on PSN <laughs> right now. I have no clue if they're going to like pull it at some point when the game comes out or whatever. But uh, I mean, it's there. It's free. I would, if you're a fan of horror games, I would highly recommend it. It's only like a half an hour long, but it's really good. And I hope that the final product will leave me in a better place than the first Outlast game did, because so far it's looking good. I will look forward to your full report, sir, because there is no way in hell I'm going to be playing that game. There's no, just no way. The only way I can ever do horror games is in a, a brightly lit room with the sound turned off, my wife sitting in a chair next to me, uh, you know, under a warm blanket and watching TV. Like, I can't, I cannot do horror, man. I cannot do it. So let us know how it goes. Um, moving on, I am going to talk a little bit about a game coming up in 2017, uh, a bit of preview time here for a game called Kingdom Come Deliverance. Uh, the developers were recently in town. I live in Seattle and they came to town for Steam Dev Days. Uh, everybody knows, or maybe they don't know, but no press are invited to the Steam Dev Days because reasons. And so they were in town, had some time to kill and they invited me over to check out a build of their game. And I hadn't heard anything about this. Uh, apparently it was a huge Kickstarter success. I think they earned like three times what they were asking for. Um, their studio grew to a pretty big size. They have been you know, working on the game for quite a while. But basically what it is, is like a medieval historical life simulator plus combat that's like as real as you can possibly make it you know within reason since it's a video game and everything about it is just it's supposed to be like you go in and you play the role of of being a medieval person um interestingly everything in this game is absolutely true historical fact except for your character so as i was sitting down it looks like you're playing skyrim basically but better like better graphics more of a, a medieval kind of setting where, you know, uh, castles that look like real castles, because they are real castles. Uh, towns that look like real villages, because they are real. The guys said um, they hired a historian to work on this game. Full-time historian. That's all this guy does is just, like, research the history. Takes place in the Czech Republic. And so every location, every castle, every building in the game is a real location that was there at that time, which was the 15th century. So they've got records that go back, and they know what some of those buildings look like because some of them are still there as preserved uh, preserved historical areas. 
And so everywhere, everywhere you go and everything you see in the game is like correct. Like that is what that place looked like in the 15th century, which to me was kind of mind blowing. That's crazy. But you play the role of this blacksmith's son who, whose town comes under attack. You don't know what's going on. People start getting killed. You've got to get to the bottom of it. But w- the way that they described it is that when you start this game, you are nobody. And by the time you finish the game, you are only slightly less nobody. Because since these are all historical facts, everything that's happening is happening between the kings and the rulers and the barons and the dukes. And you're kind of like on the sidelines, like observing these events. So you've got stuff to do. You've got quests to fulfill. You've got people to kill. You've got places to go. You've got items to collect. But that all happens within the context of these like larger real world events. And the developers even said that if you go and research the political unrest in the Czech Republic during that time period, you will actually spoil yourself because what happened happened. It is history. And so they're not going to be changing anything. You're not going to be saving the world. You're not going to be the king. You're not going to be, you know, doing any of the typical video game trope hero things that you do. You are just kind of like there. You're kind of observing and you're kind of participating in a minor way, but in a way that doesn't really affect any of the overarching events, which to me was just really, really weird, really, really interesting. Um, everything that they do in this game is really realistic. All the technology is stuff that existed at that time. All of the buildings are built the way that they are. And one thing that really, really made me think was that when they were talking about doing quest design, because, you know, in a fantasy game like this, you know, you always want to be the hero. You got to go rescue somebody. You got to go take out some bandits or something like everything that they did made sense. Uh, in one part of the game, you have to sneak into a monastery because there's this guy that you need to find and he's hiding in the monastery. And so they were like, well, in, in most games, you would like you go up to the front door, you would press X, and then you would become a monk, and then you would just go inside or something. And they're like, we didn't want to do that. We, we came up with a number of ways to get you inside that monastery, and then we ran him by the historian, and he was like, no! None of that stuff would ever work! And he shot down like all their ideas. So like half of the effort for these guys was coming up with quests that would actually make sense to people who were living in that time. And so the way that you actually get into the monastery, I'm not going to spoil it now because it was kind of cool, but like there's a couple different ways you could do it. And all those ways were like legitimately viable. So I thought that was like people really going the extra mile to stick to their core idea, not to take shortcuts because it's a video game, to really do as much as they felt like they could do to bring this world to life, which I was I was just really fascinated by. Uh, along with that uh, is the combat. The combat is, is, is fairly realistic. You play this guy. You don't ever level up to the point of where you like double your health bar or you can stun guys with one hit, or you don't get any special moves like that, you have to, like, put on the correct type of armor. So, like, there's this really deep armor system where you can put on, like, a shirt, you put on some padding, you put on some plate mail if you have it, or chain mail, or whatever you have, and then those armors have resistances to the natural weapons that they would resist. And so part of the game is, like, managing, like, what are you wearing? What does it defend against? You know, do you have a helmet? And... It, it just they really are putting everything into the combat so if you if you are good at combat you'll survive if you're not good at combat like any two-bit farmer with a hoe could come and like whack you on the head like if you're not wearing a helmet it doesn't matter like what level you are because he's going to hit you in the head and you're going to die so you have to always constantly be thinking about is this a situation that makes sense to me if i was a guy in this fi- 15th century would i want to be wearing this stuff would i want to fight these guys like if you get into a group with like two or three guys that are uh, coming at you at once just run. You're not gonna. You're not gonna overpower those guys. There's no way. You don't have uh, a, a screen clearing super move. There's no. There's no roast chicken you're gonna eat that's gonna make you better. Like you gotta fuck out of there. 
So I, overall, it looks really, really fascinating. It's it's an approach I haven't seen people take. I mean, to this degree of realism. And honestly, I don't know much about what it would really be like to be a medieval person. And so these guys have done all the research. They say it's not like an educational game, but they feel like you're going to learn some stuff for sure if you play this because everything they've done is legit, which is just amazing. So, Corey, have you uh, have you heard anything about this game, Kingdom Come Deliverance? I have. Literally, this is the first time I've heard about it. Also, if I had heard about it before, the title of the game would be enough to for me to like look the other way because that is the most boring ass title you could ever come up with for a fucking video game. Kingdom yeah, Come it's totally generic. Yeah, they need they need a better game title. That's for sure. Totally lame. But um, I thought of a couple of things while you were talking about the game. Um, between games like this and Assassin's Creed, I have a feeling there's going to be like a resurgence of people going to college to get history degrees and like high hopes that they will be able to work in video games for the rest of their lives, which is not going to happen at all. Um, that's probably like two guys in the world get that job yeah right and the the way you're describing the game kind of reminds me of uh the video game version of the godfather because i remember that game got shit all over because you played as a nobody in the godfather film universe doing things while they were doing things in the movies and everybody was like well who the fuck cares because you don't have any stakes in the story so hopefully uh, that won't keep the game from being meaningful to the player whenever it actually comes out i hope I would hope so. I mean, I, I'm personally not a huge fan of the Godfather films, but I know they have a lot of fans. So, I mean, maybe people wanted to be some of those characters. I mean, I would imagine so, since it was like a licensed game on a very well-known film franchise. Um, I don't know how many people are knowledgeable about 15th century Czechoslovakian history. So I can't imagine people have too many have too many stakes in how that, that whole plays out. But uh, it just, I mean, even if you ignore like the overall um, political unrest stuff, I think just like going through the world just looked so interesting. Like at one point they were like sharpening their sword and, and there was like a grindstone and they're like, yeah, well it really matters like how you sharpen it. Like you got to aim it the right way, like, you know, angle it the right way because if you, you know, it's not just a mini game. It's like, you actually have to like sharpen that sword. And, and when you are, are lock picking, if you have like a big sword, you actually have to put your sword down. Like you don't just put it in your magic pocket and, you know, do the lock pick. It's like you actually, you know, you keep laying the sword down because you need both hands. And you lockpick the thing, and if someone hears you lockpicking and they come to, to attack you, you gotta stop lockpicking, you gotta pick your sword back up, you gotta turn around and fight. And just taking that whole approach just was really, really just interesting. And I don't know if it's gonna be necessarily fun in the traditional sense. I think it may be more fun in kind of in almost like a hitman way. And maybe this will be of interest to you since I know you're such a hitman fan, but kind of in that way when you need to like really examine your surroundings, plan out your attack take all these factors into consideration. Where are the guards? Uh, what am I wearing? Which, which way do I need to go? You know, really survey your surroundings and, and kind of take that, take it all in and process that information. That seemed to be something that was a large part of this particular game, as I know that is in Hitman. So I don't think it's going to be a lot of like power fantasy fulfillment for people. But if you're like a Renfair kind of dude and you want to like live this life a little bit, this seems like a pretty good path into that. So I don't know Would this, is this intriguing to you at all? It either sounds like it could be amazing or terrible, and I, uh, I it doesn't really sound like something I'm interested in, but I think it's because it's the whole like medieval thing, because I'm not really, I mean, even though it doesn't sound like it's going to be like other fantasy games, because it's not going to have like dragons and magic and bullshit, like I'm just not really that interested in that era or anything going on. I'm more of like a 
sci-fi or like post-apocalyptic or you know contemporary setting kind of gamer um but i don't know that's not to say i won't play it but i also would be interested to see when the game finally ships if all the stuff you just said how it will actually be in the game i'm not saying that what you're saying isn't going to be there but i've i mean no man's sky is the perfect example of a developer is talking up their game a ton and then the final product comes out and a bunch of stuff is not anything like they said it was going to be so uh i'll be interested to see how it comes out when it comes out i guess yeah that's very true i mean i think the scope of what they're attempting is pretty enormous and you know the the part that i saw was a beta you know specifically created to show off to people to show the highlights of the game which is great it did its job very well but you know you are correct like maintaining that level of detail uh throughout an entire uh i think this was a 50-hour experience uh that could be a whole other uh, kettle of fish i mean you know maybe it will fall down on some video game tropes maybe some of the detail won't be found in later levels who knows who knows um, they're launching that for sure in 2017. It's going to be out on PS4, Xbox, and PC. Looks good. Um, you know, Final Judgment Reserved, of course, but I'm definitely going to be looking into that one. And I'm looking at the clock. I think this is probably going to wrap up the first episode of the So Video Games podcast. Um, I don't know. Any closing thoughts, Corey? How do you, uh, how do you feel like the first episode went here? Uh... I'm going to reserve judgment until I get all of the audio captured and edited because right now I could think that it sounds amazing, but maybe something will happen that will make it not be amazing. Like my computer will crash in 15 seconds and I won't get any of my audio or anything. So I'm not going to count my chickens before they hatch. If that makes sense. I don't know a lot about chickens, honestly. I mean, you know, they taste good. Chicken tenders is a good, is a good thing I like (laughs) to eat, but otherwise, (laughs) I, I, okay, anyway, anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening to the So Video Games podcast. Uh, we are aiming to be a weekly, weekly show, so come back soon for the next installment. If you have questions, comments, feedback, anything at all, please send us a message at sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. On Twitter, I am at Brad Galloway. It's all A's, no O's. Corey, uh, where can people find you? They can find me at Corey Motley on Twitter. C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y is my username. Very true. And of course, we both write for Game Critics. I'm the editor and Corey is a contributor. So you can come to GameCritics.com and see us in the written format. Um, Otherwise, I think that's it for now. Come back next week and we'll talk about more games. Have a good evening and bye for now.